Hi everyone, and welcome to From the Market Square, presented by Sheehan Finney. I'm your host, Paul Durham, and today I'm joined by Lori Waltz-Gagnon, the Executive Director of Leadership Seacoast. Leadership Seacoast is a nonprofit civic engagement organization dedicated to enriching and inspiring emerging and existing leaders within the Seacoast community. The mission of Leadership Seacoast is to develop a base of effective, knowledgeable, and engaged community members through the exploration of community issues and opportunities for personal involvement. Before taking the helm at Leadership Seacoast, Lori was, among other things, the Development Director for Haven, the largest violence prevention and support services agency in New Hampshire. She's also a graduate of the Leadership Seacoast program in 2017. Lori was our first podcast guest to join me in studio at our new office in Portsmouth. And by in studio, I mean socially distanced in one of our conference rooms, which was still pretty nice. We both commented on how great it was to be getting back to in-person meetings, even with masks. If you're a part of the Portsmouth business community and aren't already familiar with Leadership Seacoast, Lori offers some great insight into the program and others like it. Thanks for listening, and here's Lori Waltz-Gagnon. All right, Lori, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I, we've, we've been talking for like 15 minutes. So I figured, oh, we might as well press record. We've been going on and on. Let uh, people in on the discussion. Yeah, might as well. That's the whole, that's the whole point. Um, so I'm familiar with Leadership Seacoast and leadership type programs. But for you know, folks who are listening who are not, could you talk a little bit about Leadership Seacoast, um, its history, you know, its mission, its objectives, and, yeah. and just give some background on that? Absolutely. So Leadership Seacoast was founded in 1988, which is news to a lot of people. Um, many people don't realize that it's been around for more than 30 years. As an organization, it's a nonprofit, 501c3, also something that many people don't realize. And the mission really is to develop a base of engaged, knowledgeable community members that can, through the course of the program, go forward and become even more engaged community members and make a difference in their own cities and towns where they reside. Yeah, so that's the mission, that's the goal. And how do you go about you know, effectuating that? You know, walk me through what it's like. When does it start? When does it finish? You know, COVID has thrown everybody for a loop, right? But, <laughs> sure. but, let's, but let's be optimistic and talk about you know, a pre or a post-COVID yeah. world and you know, what the program looks like. How do you draw your members in and what kind of things are they involved in as the program rolls on? So it's a um, six-month program. Traditionally, during non-COVID times, we start in January and we conclude in June with a um, fun celebration graduation for the people in the class. There are nine program-focused days. Opening day and closing day are obviously the first and last days that the participants participate in. And the seven days in between are theme-based. So we will talk about arts and culture, health and human services, economic development, government, criminal justice, environment. The day typically starts at 8 o'clock and ends at 4.30. Um, Non-COVID times will come together as a group and meet at a particular location that is related to the topic that's being studied. And then we bring in experts on the topic to present to the class. We try to make it as experiential as possible as well. So a good example of that that always stands out for me is, well, there's a couple. But um, Environment Day, we've often held that at Seacoast Science Center. Oh, cool place, yep. So um, it really allows for the class to engage in what we're discussing in an environment where it's actually happening in real life. 
Another really great example is Criminal Justice Day. We have historically gone to the Stratford County Correctional Facility. And first we start in the courthouse and hear from a variety of individuals. There's a group that does, it's called Drug Court, which has kind of a funny name, but basically if an individual uh, qualifies to be considered to um, be appropriate for drug court, they can participate in some programming. It's a wide group of people, so anywhere from legal folks to advocates in the drug community to mental health support. They meet weekly, and if this if the individual is successful, they'll graduate, and then the charges that were originally brought against them either get dropped or reduced. So it's proven to be very successful, and it's a really great experience for people that don't have any familiarity with that to understand a little bit more about how that works and how it's different from the traditional court system. And then we'll take a tour of the jail and have lunch there and meet with inmates. And it's a very eye-opening experience and definitely experiential. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I did a similar program in, in Manchester yeah. going back 10 or 11 years ago. And yeah, very similar there. You have the experiential tech mm -hmm. days. You know, one of the things was a police ride along. Yes. Um, I don't know if you do that, but yeah. or have them, you know, something like that. Yeah, same thing going into it, you know, going into jail, going to the, uh, the state police academy mm -hmm. up in Concord. We did something like this. So a lot of, you know, I look back on it very fondly. There was a lot of, you know, eye-opening things. Everything from local history to, you know, as you said, you know, some of arts and entertainment places, mm -hmm. but also, you know, local news organizations. Mm -hmm. um, you know, seeing really the sort of the behind the scenes. I, I really enjoyed it. I remember a lot of those days as as a lot of fun and, yeah. and learning a lot. I like the phrase that you just used that is behind the scenes because I think that's a really good way to describe it. The class can be made up of a variety of different folks and some maybe that are New Hampshire natives or Seacoast natives and others that maybe are newer to the area so they don't have that same history and experience of being in New Hampshire. So when they participate in the program, oftentimes, regardless of whether you're native or not, there's almost on every day, I will say someone has at least one aha moment where you sort of think, that, yeah, I live in my community, I'm engaged, I know what's going on, and then when you really get to sit down and hear from, it's their living, this is what they do for their life purpose, and then you're like, oh gosh, I didn't realize all of the aspects that needed to be taken into consideration when determining, look, we just had Economic Development Day, we talked a lot about affordable housing, we talked a lot about age-restricted housing, housing in general, just you know the diversity or lack thereof in this area and how challenging that is and how do we shift that and shift mindsets and we ask for everyone to participate in an evaluation after each day and it's one of my favorite and least favorite aspects of my job because we're open for that allows us to open open for criticism right sure of course so that's why i have to like kind of temper my response my reaction immediately i'm like well wait we really tried to do that but um in many cases someone will say gosh i totally didn't know that or i thought affordable housing meant something different and i have been perpetuating that belief and now i know better so we talk a lot about, now that you know this information, what can you do differently? How can you make a difference? And it can be something really small or something really large. We've had many members of Leadership Seacoast classes that have gone on and are now actively representing their communities at the State House. We have some that have started their own nonprofits. We have some that have started their own podcasts. We have others that have joined boards of nonprofits. 
the class makeup itself is largely representative of the community. So there's people that work in large and small businesses. There's people that come from the government sector, whether they are employed by a municipality, the New Hampshire National Guard, the shipyard, and then nonprofits, of course, make up the group. And we really try to keep it balanced. A lot of it happens organically, which is great that we don't have to like say, well, gosh, we, we don't want too many men or too many women or too many this or too, too many, many lawyers. Right, yeah, too many. <laughs> exactly. The banks are always a big right, one. Right. Let's get some CPAs in there. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm amazed at how organically it really does happen. So that was one of my questions. Do you have to do a lot of outreach to fill your class every year? Mm-hmm. Or it's, you know, it sounds like, like you said, it, it sort of becomes self-perpetuating over it's time. It's a mix. Yeah. It really is a mix. The class sizes have grown over the years. This year, we capped the class at 30 members just due to COVID restrictions and things I know that we'll talk about in a second. But prior to that, the class ranged from about 40. A couple of years, we took a little bit more, like 42 or 43 people. Um, We try not to go too much larger than that because we really want participants to make a connection with each other. And we fill these days from 8 to 4.30. There is a lot of content and information that's being shared and consumed and not a ton of time for just casual conversation amongst the participants. So we encourage them during off time between the two program days or the, the program days throughout the year to meet in small groups. So we help facilitate, get them into small groups, and then we allow them to identify the time that they're going to meet, where they're going to meet, how long they're going to meet for. We'll give them some prompting questions to get the conversation sort of flowing, but there's, I'm sure, no lack of conversation once they get together. And that really allows them as a group to start to interact with each other and develop those bonds that really help carry them through the program. We start the year after opening day, which is a really phenomenal day. We have that day held at the Brown Center and utilize their facilitators. Mm -hmm. And they go through a series of exercises to really challenge their comfort zone, explore sort of where they fit in a group. We really encourage them to take off the hat of whatever their professional hat is. If they're a mother, if they're a father, a brother, a sister, a child, aunt, uncle, whatever it is, and just be present. And of course, networking occurs, but it is not designed for anybody to be like exchanging business cards and trying to strike deals or anything like that. We really want people to just show up, open their hearts and be ready to learn. More of a bonding experience. Exactly. Team building. Again, I remember when we participated in it, it was, you know, you have all all these business folks and people from different fields. And one of the activities was trying to, you know, without ropes or ladders, trying to get everybody over about yeah. a 15 or 20 foot wall. Yeah. And it was, you know, it's funny how quickly you get to know somebody when you you're sure when do. you're trying to hoist them <laughs> or yeah. push them up over a wall. Yes. Um, it, yeah. There's a ropes course at the Brown Center. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, we start in January, so that's so always a little, a little tricky. tricky. Yep. I remember the first year that I was the executive director, and we uh, opening day was coming, and the night before, it was like the normal New Hampshire weather mix of sleet and rain and snow, and I was thinking, oh gosh, like if school is delayed, are people going to make it? Are they going to get there on time? Are we going to have to delay? What does that mean? Now it's that quote, you know, snowball effect, pun intended. Where, you know, is that going to impact the facilitators, the facility itself, the caterer, you know, and I'm starting to totally stress out. So I immediately grabbed a glass of wine and thought that will ease all my pain. (laughs) (laughs) But amazingly, (laughs) the next morning I woke up and there was not a delay for school. So that was good in most of the area. 
we typically draw people in from Rockingham, Stratford, southern Maine, York County. In a couple of years, we've had a couple of people from Massachusetts come up. We encourage people that have some connection to the Seacoast to apply. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily have to live in the Seacoast region as long as they work here. Right. But amazingly, that morning, um, everybody made it. They made it on time, and they had their boots and their jackets, and we were able to do some things, some activities outdoors as well as indoors, and it, it went amazingly well. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, uh, fate was looking out for you. That day, right? <laughs> I, was, I was calling out to all my angels. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> I think that's a great you know, overview of, of the types of people who, who participate. Yeah. And as far as your speakers and mm-hmm. your experts who come in, do they tend to be the same from year to year? Does that, is there a mm-hmm. rotation? Does it vary? Um, so we have our fan favorites. Yep. On that evaluation that I mentioned, we ask the class participants to indicate their preferences and, and what did they like about the day. And there are certainly some presenters that we invite back every year because they're just so dynamic and mm-hmm. have a really gifted way of delivering the information that they are presenting. And then if there's someone that isn't quite as engaging, you know, sometimes you'll find someone that is really knowledgeable about a topic, but they are not comfortable presenting in front of the group. So, you know, we'll try to incorporate new people as we go along. And over the years, you know, we really start to build relationships with people. And again, back to that sort of organic flow and reach, you know, someone will say, gosh, I, I know so-and-so and I think they would be really great as a presenter. I'd love to connect to. So we'll do as much research as we can about an individual if we haven't had them present previously. And then sometimes it's hit or miss. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, who did you have speak on affordable housing? So we had Sarah Reitzman mm-hmm. from the Workforce Housing Coalition. She yeah. is actually an alumni of the class of 2019. Yeah. She's a dynamo. And we had Peter Francis, um, who is co-author of Communities and Consequences and is a big advocate of local towns and cities to really look at how are they growing their base of housing and what yeah. does that really look like. I absolutely adore Peter. I told him last week that I wanted to put him in my pocket and bring him with me wherever <laughs> I go because I just yeah. love how straightforward he is. Yep. He definitely has you know, his personal view mm-hmm. on the topic. Mm-hmm. But we try to incorporate as many different views on some of those issues that can be a little bit more controversial. Sure. We'll try to bring people in that have slightly different viewpoint to yeah. balance it out. reason why I just had Craig Welch from the Portsmouth yes. Housing. I just interviewed him the last episode. Craig's amazing. Yeah, he was an awesome guest, as you can imagine. Yes. I mean, you've probably heard him we, speak we're, Yes, we're definitely fans of Craig. Yeah. <laughs> He was great. So let's get a little COVID chat out of the okay. way. I think we're both probably so sick of talking about <laughs> it. But it was, it's been a challenge for businesses. It's been a challenge for everyone in the community, nonprofits. You're in the middle of a class right now, right? Yeah. How have you had to change or adapt to, to still you know, keep going strong and make sure that it's been you know, a good and, and valuable program for everybody? Well, it was interesting. We were in the middle of the class of 2020 when COVID first came upon us. And like everyone else, we had no idea how long this was going to be and what we were going to do. So we paused the program program in March. So the the class of 2020 had had four days in, in person. And then (laughs) the board and I, we would, you know, come up with a plan and a plan A and a plan B and a plan C. And then new information was coming out, you know, so rapidly and different. It was constantly changing. And I felt like I was a hamster on a wheel that I just was continuing to develop these plans that had to change. So we, we finally said, let's just take a break for a month or two and 
let things sort of settle down and see where we're at. So we did that. We ended up resuming in August. We had a, a virtual um, criminal justice session because we knew we weren't going to get into the courts or the correctional facility. We knew that that day had to be virtual. And then in September, we resumed with a hybrid. So we would meet for about four hours over Zoom, bring in some of the really key presenters to talk to the class about whatever topic it was. I think we started back with Environment Day. And then I divided the class into groups and had them in small groups come to the Great Bay Discovery Center and meet with Melissa Paley. She is Great Bay Waterkeeper. So she was able to talk to the class in small groups at the Great Bay Discovery right. Center, which right. is a really beautiful location, yep. Yep. and talk about the watershed and what's happening and why it's important that we conserve this valuable land. So it worked out. The weather worked out. The small groupings worked out. We didn't require anyone to participate if anyone was feeling really concerned about being masked even six feet outdoors. And that was okay. And we did that for every remaining day in 2020. And we finally got the class graduated in November. And then we were quickly, simultaneously, recruiting for the class of 2021. And we knew that we weren't going to be able to start in January. Living in New England, there was no way we were going to find anywhere indoors that we could safely be distanced. So we pushed the start date back to March of 2021, which so far has worked out in our favor. We were able to do a little bit of in-person work at the Exeter YMCA. Kim Meyer, who is the executive director there, is also a graduate of Leadership Seacoast, um, class of 2018, and she allowed us to use the gymnasium. So it was a little tricky to hear one another when you're in a gymnasium masked six feet apart in small groups. Granted, <laughs> it wasn't the best for the acoustics. However, the, at least people got to put eyes on each other right. and get out of that Zoom yeah. setting. All of the days since then have been done virtually, and we're coming up on Education Day on May 5th, which will be another virtual session. We're hoping that's our last, and then we will be moving to outdoors. Hopefully the remainder of the of the program days can be delivered. If it has to be virtual, that we can still incorporate some sort of in-person gathering at some point throughout the day and have them graduate in July. Yeah, sounds like the demand was certainly there. I mean, you filled the class, we right? We actually, we had to decline a few people this year, Yeah. which had you asked Brian Bouchard, uh, who is the, the chair of the board right now, and I, if you had asked us in October of 2020 if we thought we were even going to fill a class of 30, we would have said, I don't think so. Like, this is looking grim. And lo and behold, we ended up with well over 30 applications, and our admissions committee went through and did their job of identifying who we thought was going to be best to participate in the class, and, and off we went. Just a success story. So that's... Yeah, that's a wonderful job. It's really been interesting. It's a learning curve for sure. But one of the things I've found through COVID is connecting with other executive directors of leadership programs across the country has been just so helpful. And even regionally, there are several leadership programs that are in the state of New Hampshire in addition to the statewide leadership New Hampshire program. And we meet on a monthly basis, if we're able to, to share ideas, techniques, stories, what's worked, what hasn't worked. We're sort of there as a support group for each other too. Because mm -hmm. ideally this program is delivered in person right. um, to really get right. the full, full benefit of it. But we knew we didn't want to stop. We knew that we had to keep going in some manner. 
So during that time when the class of 2020 was on hold, that happened to be the same time that there was a lot of social unrest mm -hmm. about the injustices that were occurring across the country. So diversity, equity, and inclusion became the hot button issue. And as the executive director of Leadership Seacoast in the time of COVID, I was really trying to figure out where does the organization fit best? We're an independent nonprofit, whereas many of the leadership programs are a component of a chamber of commerce, like Leadership Manchester is part yep. of the Manchester Chamber of Commerce. Leadership Seacoast is independent, and so chambers of commerce in this area. We're already, you know, in the space, providing information about financial relief that was out there, providing information to businesses about what they can do to help keep afloat. But there wasn't anybody really focusing on the diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I thought that might be a good spot for Leadership Seacoast. So we started doing sessions, Zoom sessions, workshops, specifically related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we're bringing in panels of folks. And I'll tell you what, it has been so successful. Our first was on race and gender equity. Mm -hmm. Our second was on accessibility for those with physical and mental impairments. And our most recent session. Something you think you might build in as part of the program mm -hmm. regularly going forward? Perfect question. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we've been talking a lot um, for, for years before COVID about incorporating that aspect into every program day. And we did start doing that this year. As I mentioned before, we shove a lot into the 8 to 4.30 bucket and yeah. making sure that we have adequate time. I don't want to just gloss over something. I want people to really be able to get valuable information and not feel like, well, gosh, that didn't really do that topic justice. So it's been a little bit tricky, literally just not enough hours in the day. And as you probably remember yourself, those program days, you're really just scratching the surface. You know, we have Health and Human Services as one program day. We could spend an entire year talking about Health and Human Services, so we only talk about a very small fraction of that large category. So it kind of ends up being the same way when we try to incorporate the diversity, equity, inclusion. Some days lend itself much more easily mm -hmm. than others, but we're sort of exploring if that needs to be a standalone thing or if it should be like its own day. Right. So you figure it out as you go, you adapt the yeah. program. So a couple more questions for you, but you know, we've talked a lot about the program. How did you get involved with the program in the first mm -hmm. place? Did you go through something similar? Or I intentionally sometimes don't do a whole lot of background research because <laughs> I like to come in and just ask the questions. But, <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was a graduate of the class of 2017. So I was actually the development director at Haven, which is the local crisis center for yep. sexual and domestic violence, mm -hmm. and fortunate enough to participate in the class of 2017. And I absolutely loved it. It was just such, I don't even have quite words to describe how impactful it was for me. And I made lifelong connections. I learned so much about our community and how things work and tend to be the kind of person that is always eager for more information and to taking a deeper dive. And it just so happened that the executive director at the time was shifting careers. So the position at Leadership Seacoast became available and I applied and yeah. got the job. So yeah. I've been with them since since the end of 2018. Yeah, it's kind of hit the ground running and yeah. just kept <laughs> just kept going. And yeah. I, it's like I get to do the program every year. Right. And I learn something new every year, absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
and things change. That's the idea, right? That yeah. you would keep learning, that it's not just stagnant and stale. Yeah, it would keep evolving. Do you keep up with your fellow classmates from when you graduated in 2017? And how do you find that people do sort of maintain those connections in the long term? Sometimes it's easy, and I'm the most guilty of this <laughs> as anybody. Um, but you know, sometimes it's easy to keep it up uh-huh. for a year or two, but uh-huh. then you know, five, six, seven, eight years old, and people yep. go off. To- that is very standard for. I mean, pretty much any organization or anything that you participate in. We're no different than that. People tend to stay very connected in the first couple of years after graduation. They'll join a committee. Maybe they'll come onto the board. They'll volunteer for the organization in some capacity. We do have an alumni engagement committee that is really working hard to identify what types of activities our alumni wants to see that they would come back to. Mm -hmm. So our most successful, which is not surprising, Um, We put together what we were calling SIP and Socials. Mm -hmm. So at the end of every program day, we would identify a local establishment where the class would go. Not mandatory if they had other responsibilities, that was fine. But if they wanted to come, there would oftentimes be other alumni that were there. So they could start developing connections with the alumni, have a drink, have a snack. You know, everybody's riled up about whatever the day just was. <laughs> right. And that proved to be really successful. But then COVID came and we had to stop doing that. So we actually, we were supposed to do a beach cleanup today with Blue Ocean Society, but we postponed it to next Wednesday because we're about to get some rain today. Mm-hmm. So we try to provide a variety of opportunities for the alumni to come back and get engaged. We had Friendly Pets and Lee. They have a dog park, so we had a day where people could bring their dogs and just hang out, BYOB, hang out for an hour, let your dog run around, yep. have a drink with maybe somebody that you've not met from Leadership Seacoast or maybe somebody that you went through the program with. We definitely offer additional programming, so the diversity, equity, and inclusion is sort of the focus right now, but we've done other types of programming in the past looking at you know what does it mean to be on a nonprofit board we've worked with the New Hampshire Center for Nonprofits to put that together so we try to collaborate with other organizations when we can when it makes sense there's so much opportunity for leadership seacoast i'm the only staff person so i don't have a team so we're limited a little bit on how like, much we can do. But it sounds like you do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it comes back to yeah. not enough hours in the day. Yeah. But I have to say we've got an amazing board of directors. It's really, there's something very unique about that group because they've all gone through the program. There's right. no one on the board that hasn't participated. So if someone's thinking about joining a board, they oftentimes have to go through an orientation and mm-hmm. get familiar with the organization. And we can just cut that right out because everybody knows what it everybody is. Everybody knows the process do. and yeah. been through. Yeah, that's wonderful. So this year's class graduates, you said July? Yeah, like, end of July. Yeah, and then to already get you to work on <laughs> yeah. the next year. When, <laughs> we're, tar- we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah, so when, when do applications open for next year? Yeah. And, you know, maybe if people listen to this and they weren't familiar with it and are interested in learning more about the program, how do they find out more? Be the Let next do a little marketing. Yeah, there you go. Deal. Yeah. So the website is where really all the information is at, and that's leadershipseacoast.org. Mm-hmm. The application process, the application will probably become available in August. We're making a couple of changes to it just to streamline the process a little bit. We do offer scholarships because it is a tuition-based program. Mm -hmm. We do offer scholarships to individuals that might not be able to participate if they didn't have that financial support. So I want to merge those two items together, not to get into the weeds too much. We ask our alumni and board of directors to nominate people. 
So if they know someone that they think would be an ideal candidate for the program, they'll nominate them, and then that person still has to go through the application process. But at least we've been introduced to them in a very informal capacity. And the application deadline this year, I believe, is going to be at the end of October. Okay. Uh, and then we plan to gear back up for January. Yeah, and next year, you know, fingers crossed, more of a traditional I program. Think let's so. hope, right? That's what I it seems like. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. hope. Well, this is great. I really, I really enjoyed hearing all about it. So it makes me remember all the fun stuff I did. As well, you part could of my... do leadership, Seacoast. I could. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's a possibility. I think Brian should nominate you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I guess it's worth pointing out, it really is, it's not just something that's for 20-somethings. I no, mean, it, right, the range is all... Absolutely. Yeah, yeah we have people that are you know, starting out in their careers. Mm -hmm. Um, We have people that are a little bit more established and looking to, you know, kind of take that next step. We have folks that are more senior and some retirees have Mm -hmm. gone through the program. So it's not geared towards one age demographic. Right. One of our goals is really to bring in a diverse class. So we are hoping to be able to connect with organizations in the area that attract people that maybe, you know, aren't hearing this podcast or didn't pick up the paper to see that, you know, applications are open or whatever it is. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for all the hard work you do. It sounds like a fantastic program. And I just really had a great time chatting with you. Thank you so much, Paul. Thanks. Thankfully. That's it for today's episode of From the Market Square. I'm Paul Durham, we're she and Finney, and if you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to the podcast, leaving a review, and sharing it with others who might enjoy it. Of course, no podcast produced by lawyers would be complete without a legal disclaimer, so here goes. Any views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of she and Finney, and should not be construed as legal advice or a solicitation to provide legal services. This podcast is not intended to create, and your listening to it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. Listeners should not act upon anything expressed without seeking professional legal counsel. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I hope you'll join us again. Mm